When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Check your iPhone, better say it's our time. I don't even need a watch, I don't even see a clock. Soon as I walk Welcome, in, ladies and gentlemen, like to me. this edition of the NXT Rundown. I am Jason, as you can tell. Ginger's still not here. Hopefully we'll uh, hear from him eventually or at some point in the not-too-distant future because we do miss you, Ginger. be nice to have you back. But I'm not alone because there's way too much to cover, and that would fucking suck. So I am joined by the one and only John. John, how's things going, buddy? I mean, I'm here to talk about a wrestling show that I like, so that's going to be weird. There you go. It's a strange feeling. And you almost were on AEW this week, too, so that could have been a problem. Uh, But no, you are here with me, uh, and we are going to discuss both TakeOver and this week's edition of NXT. Um, Which we'll get to in a little bit, but those post-TakeOver NXTs usually drag. I didn't necessarily feel like that was the case this week. I feel like it was a a pretty solid episode, but we'll get to that in just a little bit. Um, But before we start, John, how's things going for you? I know we just talked the other day, but uh, anything new going on? Uh, not especially, no. Pretty much the same stuff as as on Tuesday. How about how about for you? Uh, well, I have another KFC story. <laughs> okay. In in my infinite battle with uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken, we went to the same one today. No lines. We pull up to the drive-through. There's no little sign on there telling me everything they don't have. I'm like, I'm cool. <laughs> this is seven o'clock at night. This is great. Roll down my window. Hi, welcome to KFC. Just so you know, we're closed. What? It's fucking 7 o'clock! How is a place that serves food closed at fucking dinner time? I have to assume at that point they have to be, like, grossly understaffed. I'm so not a fucking, like, Karen. Like, I'm not a call-your-manager guy at all. Mm-hmm. But I almost want to call the manager and find out what the fuck is going on in this place. Because I'm just now naturally curious. <laughs> like, right. like, there's no great chicken shortage in the country that I'm aware of. Um, so I don't know why they're constantly out of chicken. And now they're just not ever open. So it's now becoming incredibly baffling to me as to what's going on in this place. They were open enough to have somebody there to tell me they weren't open. <laughs> but not not enough people open to be actually open. It's a very strange dynamic. I'm struggling with it. But in any event, that's the uh, the latest on the great KFC crisis in my life. 
Um, there's another one down the street. I really should just fucking start going to the other one, but the other one's sort of dirtier, so I don't like it as much. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's anyway. dirtier because they uh, take customers. And, yeah, uh, that probably that probably factors into it. You're probably not wrong about that. But oh shit, I didn't realize that was my background. That's kind of funny, ironically. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I guess it's uh, it's been a quiet couple days in our lives. We just spilled all of our our personal stuff on uh, WWE Rundown. Which, if you want to go check out, if you really want to hear a bunch of grown men scream at each other about CM Punk for about 45 minutes, because that's what ended up happening. But uh, we're not going to do that tonight. We're not going to mention CM Punk's name after this. That's the last time you're going to hear it, I think. Maybe. We'll see. Um, I, I can't think of a reason I'd bring him up. <laughs> but I, I, I purposely avoided all the news, although it's not really a beef with John and me. Sal's not here. We should be good. Anyway, <laughs> we're going to focus on NXT, and by doing that, we are going to start with this past Sunday night's TakeOver 36. Now, of course, before we start talking about the actual results on the card, um, it felt really weird to have the WWE pay-per-view on Saturday night followed by NXT on Sunday night. That one sort of weirded me out a little bit. How how, how did that feel for you? Uh, I'll agree, but it was slightly more convenient for me because it it made it easier for me to make sure that I had the, uh, the main one watched before Tuesday. So, right. like, in terms of fitting it into my own life, it was it was helpful. But, yeah, it was also weird, okay. for sure. Fair enough. Uh, we did do our typical predictions poll on our website, rundownwrestling.com. Before any major event, you can go right there. and We'll always have a predictions thread where you can guess what's going to happen. We will throw your name up on the show and give you credit for however well you did or how terrible you did. And we're going to talk about both ends of that spectrum in just a few minutes. Uh, but we want to send a big thank you to Troy Slurper of Ass. Uh, his ass play thing is getting a little different every time. Uh, Blind Fury, <laughs> the Yeti, uh, Charlotte Squirt Cam, Sal, myself, John, uh, Jackson, God's a Juggalo, Bruno Tomas, the Umagus Penis Malucho. Maluco. Hmm. I don't know that if that's. That must be the one you're. Yeah, I don't know if that's El Dico Loco's latest handle or what. I am assuming it is because penis is in the middle of it. Does, I, I'm assuming. Hold on. Uh, and David K. David, thank you as well. Uh, I'm going to look up. I'm going to Google that, Translate. I'm going to put that into Google Translate. I'm going to see what it says. <laughs> uh, let's see. Copy that. This is the part of the show where everybody listens to me copy and paste something. Uh, there are not many great matches. Okay. Uh, penis Fish. Okay. Uh, something to do about penis fish, I guess. Fair enough. I I will just shrug and move on. Uh, well, I'm fucking curious now. I'm like deep diving. <laughs> Not that I want to look at you know, whalers dick, but uh, I don't know. Anyway, well, I, I'm going to assume it's El Dico Loco because otherwise he didn't join us, and that's weird. And I don't want to think about a world where El Dico Loco does not participate in our prediction form. Anyway, so we kicked off TakeOver 35, 36, I should say. Uh, by the way, from the, the CWC, not traveling uh, with the crew over to Vegas for SummerSlam weekend, uh, as they have done in the past, but uh, staying home in the CWC, um, which apparently is getting a huge re- makeover in the next couple of weeks, which is why they taped next three weeks of tv so we'll see how that looks when they come back but we did kick off the show 
with Cameron Grimes challenging L.A. Knight for the Million Dollar Championship. Uh, of course, Ted DiBiase accompanying Cameron Grimes, who came out of in Million Dollar Man-inspired gear, which I sort of dug. Um, at the end of the day, Cameron Grimes wins with the um, cave-in, and he is your new Million Dollar Champion. John, did you have any thoughts on this one? Uh, I will say, uh, first off, I liked the match. Uh, just get that out of the way. Um, it felt like Grimes was doing everything he could to make sure the crowd was staying engaged in yeah. the match, yeah. which I appreciated because when you, like, I feel like the crowd at that particular venue can be hit or miss, and when they're not into it, it it does affect the perception of the things that are happening there. It's really weird because so, they're 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 very adjacent to the full sale crowd, but they right. have nowhere near the same energy, or or maybe it's just a, a reflection of the the product changing over time. I don't know. That could be, but like he was, uh, I, he seemed like he was doing everything he, he could to make sure that they were staying into it, and it seemed like it was working. Yeah. Uh, I still don't really like that that move he does where it looks like he's taking something and then flips over. Like I thought I would like course. it. Yeah, I thought I would like it more with like uh like wh- when it was smoother, but it still doesn't really work too well for me. Okay. Uh, fucking good caving though. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's one that's also yeah. hit or miss sometimes because depending on how he gets it, mm-hmm. it may or may not go well. Um, it was sort of that weird spot though where like DiBiase went to throw in the belt and then the ref grabbed it and then like he threw it back in and it was just the whole thing was a little yeah. strange at the end there. That that's fair. Um to to get to the uh I mean basically just I don't know to get if DiBiase missed a cue or if the ref jumped the gun or something but it, it was very awkward that that sequence. Based on how things have been going I I'm inclined to think that if someone messed up it was probably DiBiase but <laughs> that's a fair point. Uh but it, it didn't. It didn't like. It, I'll agree that it was weird, but it didn't really like ruin the finish or anything for me. I, it still worked. Uh, it was nice to see. Uh, see, La Knight's really easy to hate, and it was nice to see him get punched in the face. So mm-hmm. yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, so in terms of our prediction polls, that was one of those ones that was a little bit of a, a mixed bag. We had a bunch of people going for Cameron Grimes. We had several people going for La Knight. Uh, correctly predicting Cameron Grimes, we had Troy, uh, Charlotte Squirtcam, Sal, uh, myself, you, uh, Jackson, Bruno Tomas, and David Kay. So congratulations to everybody who got that one correct. And now we move on. So the tagline for this match, and, and one of the bigger matches on the pay-per-view, was uh, Raquel Gonzalez defending her NXT Women's Championship against Dakota Kai. What we really got was Raquel Gonzalez wrestling her top for most of the match. Yeah. Um, she had a very, very tough time keeping this top from uh, producing a wardrobe malfunction. Uh, and, and, you know, God love Raquel, beautiful woman. She's not heavily stacked on the top. Um, but still, them, them itty-bitty titties wanted to come out and play. It, it almost felt like the top was slightly too big. Like it was slipping because like there wasn't enough to like hold it in place or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's funny. And I can say this now in retrospect, and it sounds like, um, obviously, like, oh, you should say that. the, um, 
when I was watching the intros, I looked at her top and I was like, wow, that's just like tied together in the back. Like if that rope, as it gets pulled on, like, you know, you tie your laces. Sometimes you pull them apart, the rope sort mm-hmm. of slides in a little bit and loosens it up. I'm like, wow, that could be a problem for her. I didn't think anything of it. And then it started happening in a match. <laughs> like, holy shit. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, surprising result, at least to me, uh, in that Raquel Gonzalez retains the title. And uh, we'll talk about what this might mean for Dakota going forward. But what did you think about the match? Um, aside from the fact that for like the first fourth of the match, Raquel was very self-conscious about the uh, about the top, mm-hmm. and I felt like that was until she got used to sort of like adjusting it and working it into things. You could kind of see it like making her a little bit clunkier for the first chunk. Yeah, I, I felt like once she got used to that and worked it more naturally into what she was doing, the match, I, the match got better and. Obviously, Dakota Kai is always good. Yeah. I was, I was pleased that Dakota Kai booked fairly strong in the match. Like yeah. uh, she, like was you know Raquel falling out of the ring away from like getting a fairly quick victory, and you know in general like it, it yeah, it, it didn't feel like you know they're they're not trying to build Raquel back up into a monster or anything. Dakota looked good, and hopefully, if she, you know, if what might happen to her af- in the aftermath of this does, hopefully, they can take that momentum and do something with her because she's fucking great. Well, the uh, so the end of this match was Dakota uh, Raquel was perched on the sitting on the second turnbuckle. Uh, Dakota went for a big face wash kick in the corner, and uh, Raquel caught her leg and put her up and hit the Chicano slam off the top, like an avalanche version or whatever you want to call mm. it. Uh, so it was a big, impactful finish. I thought the finish was a really nice spot. Yeah, yeah, I uh, uh, I'll agree with that. And just in general, like I was, I'm happy that like if Dakota was going to lose, that that she was able to like look good in the loss. Yeah, yeah, and it sounds like it may be just Dakota's time to move up to the main roster. And if that's the case, good for her. And this was a hell of a way to go out. And they closed that loop and closed that story arc before she left. So that was good. Um. Apparently, a lot of us were taken a little bit by surprise with this one because of all our predictions. Only four people correctly predicted Raquel Gonzalez to retain the title. That was Blind Fury, Charlotte Squirtcam, Bruno Tomas, and David Kay. So congratulations to the four of you on correctly predicting the outcome of that match, which even myself I could not do. <laughs> not going to have the perfect weekend, unfortunately. No, I am not. Almost. I didn't even realize how, did I, how good I did at SummerSlam until he said that on the tennis. I was like, whoa, I didn't think I did that well. Uh, moving on, the NXT United Kingdom Championship was on the line when Ilya Dragunov challenged Valter, uh in a rematch of a match that many people called the match of the year in 2020. Uh, obviously, with the empty arena thing, we didn't get to necessarily experience it with fans. This time we did. Um, traditionally not a big Walter fan myself. Uh, I think you've said the same thing at yeah, various absolutely. points. Um, but I think both guys brought it. This was a fantastic match. Ilya Dragunov ends up hitting Torpedo Moscow and captures the championship from Walter. Um, what did you think of this one? Uh, I, I did like this match. Uh, it was, yeah, like, it didn't, it didn't, feel plotting particularly at any point like it 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 moved it moved well it was 
I've, I'm still not super into all the chops. Like, right. it's just never going to be for me. But, like, you know, there was enough other stuff going on that it didn't, like, it didn't ruin it for me. Yep. Oh, and, and I did misspeak. It wasn't Torpedo Moscow. He sort of lifted him and just choked him until Walter tapped. So that was sort of a big moment to not only beat Walter, but to make him tap. That was pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know a ton about Walter, but they, they made a big enough deal out of it that I assume that that's not a thing that happens very often. I don't remember it ever uh, happening, so... So yeah, it was uh, he uh, Dragunov looks you know killer coming out of that. Although that promo we cut later was a little weird, but yeah, yeah, Dragunov's there's this weird disconnect because he's really good in the ring, but I don't quite get the character. I don't know if it's a UK thing or what, but it felt kind of heelish. I thought like yeah, it's a little weird. And, yeah, I'm not sure. But every time I've seen him in the ring, I've been very impressed with his in ring performance. So. Um, and as far as predictions, nobody really surprised by that except God's Juggalo and the Umugus Penis Malucho, uh, because <laughs> those are the only two that predicted Walter. Everybody else correctly predicting Ilya Dragunov to capture the NXT UK Championship, which then led us to the ultimate finale, the undisputed finale, I should say. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly versus Adam Cole, and we talked about this going into it. Uh, two out of three falls here. Uh, first fall was going to be a straight wrestling match. Um, what, what, what did you think of this one, John? Because I, I, I have very mixed feelings about it. So, are we just talking about the first fall? So, well, or... let's okay. So let's run through it. First fall was a straight wrestling match, which Kyle O'Reilly won. Uh, the second fall was a street fight, which was won by Adam Cole. And the third fall was a steel cage match, which almost didn't happen, thanks to a trash can, uh, that was won <laughs> by Kyle O'Reilly to win the match and win the feud. Um, all right, so go ahead. What were your thoughts overall? So I liked the the second fall. I thought that everything flowed well, and it like you know, the finishes of the first and the third fall both kind of felt abrupt and out of nowhere and mm-hmm. didn't weren't entirely satisfying and i'm not saying just saying that because i don't connect with kyle rally as a character okay um uh because i actually do think that like when i see him in the ring i some of that falls away and i'm like oh he is really good in the ring but like uh and then wednesday happened and i remember why i don't like his character but um but the second fall i thought was full of full of good stuff and the first fall felt abbreviated like they'd just, it was very quick. Yeah. And the third fall, I felt like the finish came out of nowhere, and it felt like there was more match to be had still. You know, that's a great, great point, because it felt like we had built this storyline up so much, it felt like we should have this big, grand climax to the story, and I don't feel like we got that. I feel like it was just like almost the first fall almost felt like a fluke. Mm-hmm. Um, the second fall, like I said, was fine. And then the third fall, and this is my biggest problem with the match, and it's really sort of just an unfortunate circumstance, but as uh, Kyle has his hold locked in and, and Cole is tapping, his hand is basically hitting a kendo stick, to which, you know, <laughs> as a logical fan, you go, all you do is grab that stick and hit Kyle with it, and you're out of this fucking hold. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, that wasn't the way it was booked, and, you know, when they booked it, they didn't expect the kendo stick to just accidentally end up standing there, where, sitting there where they... They did the move, but uh, it just it really, really took me out of that finish, and it sucks. Um, it was funny, because after Kyle gets the first fall, I happened to did a wide shot, and I was like, I don't see a steel cage. 
I don't see a steel cage above the ring. This might be a two-straight-fall situation. And then I remembered NXT has the one that sort of folds down, so it's not like put together right above the cage. Um, but then as they were lowering it, there was a garbage can stuck in, on the apron of the ring, which was preventing the cage from lowering all the way, and the cage started to squish it. That was pretty funny, actually, uh, as unintentional humor. Uh, so when we did our predictions, we broke this down across the three separate falls. Uh, so the first fall of the tradition of the ultimate undisputed finale was the traditional wrestling match, and correctly predicting Kyle O'Reilly was Troy, uh, Blind Fury, uh, Charlotte Squirtcam, Sal, myself, you, uh, Gods of Juggalo, Bruno Tomas, and David Kay. Uh, now, I said at the time going into it, it just made sense to me because that was the fall, that was the match type that Kyle O'Reilly had lost. So it sort of made sense that he would win that one and Cole would win the one, the second fall that he had lost. Um, mm-hmm. And apparently everybody who predicted the first fall correctly predicted the second fall for correctly. So nobody thought we were getting a, uh, a double win here, a two straight fall situation. So, um, so the same people that won the first prediction won the second prediction. <laughs> uh, so they all got that correctly. And then the third fall... Uh, we had a couple of differentiations here because predicting Kyle O'Reilly to win the undisputed finale, uh, Troy, Blind Fury, uh, Sal, this is not my usual format, uh, myself, you, uh, God's Juggalo, Bruno Tomas, uh, Umagas, Penis, Maluco. I'm going to say it different every time just because I can. Uh, and sure. David K. So. Congrats to everybody. Uh, the only three people who didn't get it were the Yete, Charlotte Squirtcam, and Jackson. Better luck next time, kid. <laughs> anyway, uh, so any uh, any last thoughts on that story before we move forward? Yeah, I'm I'm happy to be be past it. I'm hoping that at some point they can turn a corner and like if Kyle Kyle O'Reilly is going to position to be continue to be positioned as like. Uh, one of the top faces. I really want him to be more likable. Like, yeah. I'm hoping they fig- figure that out because God, he's a tool. Yeah, no, I hear you on that one. You're not wrong there. Um, there's definitely something to be said um, for finding something that is more sort of mass appeal for Kyle uh, than what we've been getting. I, I sort of dig the Kyle thing. Like, I like the smart-ass sort of face. I always have. Um, but I can understand why it would be grating for some people, too, even though it's, it is it is something I dig, but I understand for some people. We'll get we'll get to it here in a bit, but there was one thing he said on uh, on uh, on Tuesday that popped me. Okay. But I think I might know what it is, too, so I'm curious to see if I'm right. Uh, <laughs> gotcha. That brings us to our main event of TakeOver 36, and that was actually, we had a discussion on the last show about what would main event TakeOver, whether it would be uh, Cole and O'Reilly, or if it would be this match for the NXT Championship between Samoa Joe and Karrion Cross. Uh, this was apparently before Cross became Lord Tensai. Um, Cross... <laughs> uh, Still sans Scarlet. I thought this might be the spot where you bring her back. Um, but no, no no Scarlet at all, which really just takes down my enjoyment of the cross presentation. Apparently um, the crowd agreed. <laughs> yeah, there was another where Scarlet uh, chant. Yeah, hitting, hitting, hitting them with a chance. Yeah, uh, quite a bit. Uh, and of course we've seen 
Karrion Cross pretty much already a factor on the Raw roster, so I don't think it's that much of a surprise to see that uh, Samoa Joe captured the NXT Heavyweight Championship, defeating Karrion Cross with the Muscle Buster. That was a little bit of a surprise to me. Uh, he hasn't broken that one out in a while, I don't think, since the TJ Kidd incident, really. Um, but he did win with that one. Uh, I don't know how you felt. Watching this match for me was problematic. And it's not even necessarily because I dislike Cross, but I felt like Cross was going to great pains to not hit Joe in the head. And obviously with a guy oh, with so, yeah. so many concussion issues, he was pulling his punches and his kicks so badly that it took me out of any semblance of realism of this match. Yeah. I, I actually did have a similar thought where I was I was questioning myself. I'm like, uh, I was I was legitimately thinking, did his strikes always look this bad? No, but like, no. But but you saying that, because uh, like I'm not I'm not a fan of his, but I don't remember having that thought about him before. No, no, it's um, usually pretty hard hitting. But yeah, like he he was not laying in at all. No, uh, except except on the suplexes, yeah. uh, which. Seems to be the one thing he knows how to do um, <laughs> in terms of actual wrestling uh, is like three or four different suplexes, whatever it is. But um, I I thought this match was as good as as one could have expected when it, it did feel like Joe was shaking off ring rust too. Yeah, like he he was blown out pretty quickly. Yeah, he his uh. Hopefully, just getting more reps, he'll he'll get back into ring shape. But yeah, he he seemed a little gassed when he did the tope suicida to the floor, and he's just like hunched over on the apron, and like it felt like Cross was waiting for him to catch up. So, um, and that's not typically Joe. So I think that will come back the more he works. Um, I hope going forward that he he, people don't need to continue to pull their punches on him because it really did take away from my enjoyment of the match. Um, As far as predictions. Everybody predicted Samoa Joe to win the championship, with the exception of Jackson. Um, I don't know who who this kid's dad is, but he needs to uh, get his <laughs> shit together. Um, anyway, so that's... you got to oh, let him fail so they learn to succeed. Exactly. That's, that's what I tell them all the time. Uh, rounding out our predictions, we had two. Two correct for the Yeti and for Jackson... I believe was the other two. Yes, Jackson was the other two. Uh, oh, and one more two was uh, Umagus Penis Mulcho. So, uh, better luck next time, gentlemen. Uh, we had with four, uh, we had Gods of Juggalo. And with tied with six, we had Troy, Blind Fury, uh, Charlotte Squirt Cam, uh, Sal, uh, you. Myself, no, I'm sorry, did I? Yeah, all right, six. Uh, you, myself, and Bruno Tomas, all tied with six. And the winner with a perfect seven out of seven, David K. David, great job. Congratulations. You have won the TakeOver 36 predictions pool. I mean, I'm just glad I didn't embarrass myself like I did whatever the last paper was. <laughs> uh, overall thoughts on TakeOver? What would you think? Uh, I uh, I liked it. It was uh, like, the, despite uh, what we said about the main event, it was still it it was still good enough that it didn't make me it didn't make me walk away from this pay per view not thinking it was a good pay per view. Okay. Or, I guess network event, whatever the verbiage we should be using is. Okay. But yeah, I uh, I 
there wasn't a match that I didn't think there was stuff to like in it. Okay. And of course, we didn't even touch on the uh, at the end of the Raquel Gonzalez Dakota Kai match. We did see the debut of Kaylee Ray, who we'll talk about in a little bit, um, making her. I, I wouldn't say it's an NXT debut. I think she's been on the show before, but certainly sort of her arrival to the main NXT brand as a, as a regular. I vaguely recall her super thick accent popping up at some point. Yeah, right before, I think, Survivor Series, she showed up as part of Team NXT. That uh, sounds right. So, um, But before we get to this week's NXT proper show, there was one news story I wanted to touch on real quick because I found it a little bit entertaining. Uh, mm-hmm. And we talked about, I think you and I were both on the same boat of how we really dug Edge's entrance at SummerSlam with the, the brood theme and everything, mm-hmm. um, sort of reliving that. Uh, one person who maybe liked it but didn't love the result of it was uh, Gangrel, because he joined. He well, he did his own. He does apparently he does his own podcast. Everyone has a podcast apparently. It's called Fangin' and Bangin', which sounds like a Marty Jannetty podcast. Him and Marty huh. should do a podcast together, and then it's got the perfect name: Fangin' and Bangin', Marty Jannetty and Gangrel. Um, anyway, he said the that Edge's entrance at SummerSlam cost him an appearance with AEW. Here's what he said. I was supposed to be on a plane to Milwaukee on Monday. I got a return call saying, oh, man, we're so sorry. We're going in a different direction because WWE media stuff. That entrance, everything Edge did was fucking great. The reason I wasn't so excited about it is because I knew I was offered another great opportunity and the timing sucked. AEW contacted me and they wanted me to come in and do Dynamite. They were putting the entrance together. They were doing, they were going to do the fire. They were putting the music together and getting it all together. The same time I was trending and really happy for Edge on the inside, I was super worried, like, please don't let this ruin things. I called people and they were like, I wouldn't worry about it. But when SummerSlam hit, I knew it was the final nail in the coffin. It was cool because I never knew what the Gangrel Brood entrance would look like in 2021. It was tremendously done. When I got the phone call that they were going to go in a different direction, it's not their fault, it's just timing. Uh, Gangrel said he talked to Edge afterwards when he learned about it uh, with the bloodbath that they did, or sorry, the brood bath. Um, And Gangrel said of Edge, he felt so bad, he sent me pictures of his daughter with the jacket. I was like, it's cool, man. It's fucking awesome. I loved seeing you do that. It was a weird timing thing. He told me he was working on it for two and a half months. He said, you don't know how hard it was to get that bloodbath thing because of the PG situation. He wanted the red and the blood. It really came down to if it wasn't black, it wasn't happening. It wasn't an idea overnight for him. He planned it, and it was a big deal for him. Uh, so that actually answers the question we had about why do it if you can't do the fucking blood. Apparently that was a PG thing, and the only way they were going to get to do it was doing it with the black, and Edge really wanted to do it. Um, so what I take out of this is that WWE, you stole one of their own old ideas before AEW could steal one of WWE's old ideas. <laughs> that, that, that appears to be about the... Uh... About the long and short of it, yeah. I I wonder if they would have tied Gangrel into Christian somehow because that's what like, that was my original thought too. Like I don't know what else you would do with him, but uh, I also wish uh, the one thing that uh, that was missing for me from Edge's entrance is the puffy shirt. Yeah, the pirate shirt definitely should yeah. have happened. Hundred percent. But yeah, other than that, I, I was very on board with it. I always fucking dug the Brood's music, and yeah. honestly, like. Uh, back in the Attitude Era, just being a and d nerd, like, yeah. uh, the brood was something that, like, I kind of latched onto anyway. It's kind of okay. how I ended up being a Christian mark. Okay. 
What was so what's your favorite Edge theme song? Because we've talked about the, how he had some of the best ones. For me, it's all. actually probably the, probably the Brood. Is one. it the Brood? Okay. For me, it was probably the Rob Zombie one. I love that song. Um, I thought that just sort of summed it up perfectly. Although the Altered Beast one, Altered Bridge one, is good too. I always say Altered Beast because I think of the video game. Uh, <laughs> right. Altered Bridge. Uh, all right, so that's going to take us to our discussion of this week's edition of NXT, and we start NXT with Grant Ted. DiBiase and Cameron Grimes arriving in the DiBiase limo. Uh, we get a recap of the Million Dollar Championship match at TakeOver. And then Grimes is out with his old music finally playing him to the ring. Uh, we get a To The Moon chant. Uh, Grimes says he came to NXT to find someone... I'm sorry, DiBiase says he came to NXT to find someone to carry his legacy. They had to be strong of mind, body, and heart. Uh, says Grimes was never a quitter and he kept getting up till he was the Million Dollar Champion. Uh, so Grimes says that Ted showed up and originally drove him nuts, and Ted says he was doing it to test him. Uh, Grimes said he was too focused on the money and realized he needed an accomplishment to make him something. Uh, he said there was no way that he could let that dummy, which I loved, uh, have the million-dollar man as his butler. Uh, so they got together and took care of Knight together. Uh, Grimes asks, where does he go now? And Ted says, it's time to go to the moon. Uh, and a bunch of air cannons shoot Cameron Grimes bucks up into the air, uh, including when we go to the announce table, Beth and Vic are throwing the Grimes bucks at Wade. And Beth says, you can buy a new gavel. Loved that line. Um, so, John, what did you think of our opening segment here? Uh, I, I thought it was one of the more effective Cameron Grimes face segments that I've seen. Cause I think a lot yeah. of the times he doesn't exactly land as a face. Yeah. I, I still honestly would prefer he'd be a heel cause he's more fun as a heel. Yeah. But, but this, this worked well enough for okay. me and it feels like the crowd's into him. So probably the best DiBiase uh, promo we've seen since he came back. That, that, that's also fair. Um, did you, what do you think, where do you think we go with Cameron Grimes now? We'll talk about what happens with him later in the show as we go along, but um, I don't see a natural fit for him to jump into anything title-wise. Yeah, especially given what happens later. Right. Like, uh, I don't... I I feel like eventually he's got to circle back around to the North American title, but like it's going to be a bit. So right. does yeah. he just like... Does he just get some like filler feuds until he can circle back around to that once, uh, yeah. you know, uh, Swerve and... Uh, can't think of his name. Santos. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Once they're done with their thing, maybe uh, maybe that can happen because I feel like there's still plenty of mileage for that feud. Yeah. So that's probably gonna take okay. up take up some time, especially again with something that happens later, sort of like introducing new wrinkles into it. Yeah. But. Well, as the celebration continues inside the CWC, we see Ridge Holland enter the arena along with Peter Pete Dune Pete Dunn. God damn, I'm, I'm jumping ahead of myself. Uh, <laughs> as we go to break, when we come back, Hit Row arrives uh, at the at the arena outside, getting ready for their match later on that night. Uh, then Thatcher comes out with Champa, uh, and Thatcher's music is as boring and generic as he is, and I understand why they use Champa's music all the time. Um, <laughs> the match opens with them trading European uppercuts for what felt like 15 minutes. Uh, Thatcher goes for a bad body scissors and then guess what? More European uppercuts. Uh, Holland slams Thatcher into the ropes. Holland hits a nice back elbow as Thatcher uh, comes off the ropes. Uh, we get a nice assisted belly to belly by Thatcher. 
then he goes for trying to get a, a lot of the arm and Holland blocking it a lot was sort of one of the stories of this match. Um, as Holland blocks it, I thought this was a really great spot. Thatcher just fucking slams his knee right into Holland's like his uh, ribs, which was a great fucking spot. Oh, you're not gonna give me your arm? Fine, that's what you fucking get. Um, <laughs> Holland hits a suplex uh, and gets some separation from Thatcher, uh, and then hits him with a nasty short arm clothesline as we go to break. When we come back from break, guess what? They're trading European uppercuts. <laughs> uh, whoever booked this match was European upper nuts. Uh, Thatcher uh, had some a little payback on um, Holland as he slams him into the ropes. Uh, Thatcher then gets the half crab, and I like the fact that commentary put over uh, the injury to Holland's leg as Thatcher had the half crab applied. I thought that was a nice little touch. Um, Holland did a good job of selling the knee as well. We get a headbutt by Holland, and basically then he just hits that slam driver of his, for the one that almost paralyzed Johnny Gargano. He hits that uh-huh. for the win. Uh, sort of an abrupt finish. Uh, I think the right guy won, but um, where where do you fall on, on Ridge Holland after seeing this match? Um, I didn't like this match. Okay. <laughs> Like there were. Do you think it was were, more Thatcher, more Holland, or a mix of that you didn't like it? I, I honestly, I think it was more Holland, but I don't, I don't find Thatcher terribly interesting either. But I think uh, in the right setting, he can be, he can be at least good in the ring, even if his character does literally nothing for me. Okay. But like Holland, just his look is good. Yeah, uh, send the other way around. I thought Holland worked a good big man style. I just don't. I I've yet to really see a lot of people that uh, Thatcher sort of connects with in the ring here. I think Ciampa was one of the few. Um, or if you get him in there with like Dunn, he can work that European style and they can go back and forth. But I just I haven't been super impressed with Thatcher since he comes in. So although at one point um, Vic Joseph did refer to him as Thatch, which is my gimmick. Uh, from the <laughs> Thatch and Boogs days, so I want fucking credit for that, uh, Dick Joseph, please. Thank you. Um, so after the match is over, oh, did I say over? Over? You did. You did. <laughs> uh, Champa comes in to check on Thatcher, but Holland just grabs him. Uh, Champa cleans house, taking out him and uh, fuck done. I'm having a hard time remembering who was out there. Um, <laughs> At this point, Lorcan runs out along with the returning Danny Birch to help beat up Ciampa, and the numbers game finally gets to him. Uh, Thatcher tries to fight back. He grabs Holland, and Holland hits him with that billy club fucking thing. They said what it was called. I don't know. It looks like a billy club to me. Yeah. Um, hits him in the I look like the, the chest with it, and then he hit him right in the fucking throat with it. So uh, Thatcher is, we would find out later, he is out indefinitely. Um, interesting brawl at the end i guess i don't know if thatcher's going somewhere if he needs to have a surgery or whatever but they they seemingly wrote him off tv yeah yeah um i don't know what where that leaves champa in terms of like backup because then he's just like going against like four guys but it leaves champa in a much better place if he can start doing single stuff and not have to be handcuffed to thatcher i'll tell you that much he's become significantly less interesting with thatcher attached to him i'll agree with that so um, moving on, we get Arash Mikazi with a sit-down interview with Carmelo Hayes. Decent promo, but nothing really earth-shattering. Was there anything you took out of this? It, it was fine. There's <laughs> a lot of, you know, I'm not the underdog, I'm going to win, blah, 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 etc. as he heads into the finals of the 
NXT breakout tournament. Uh, we then get a recap after the break of Indy and Dexter's engagement from last week. Uh, and then we go to dinner time with Index, who, by the way, are both wearing the Index shirts now, which is kind of funny. Uh, Mackenzie asks if they have a wedding date yet, and Dexter holds up an invitation. And Mackenzie says it's September 14th, which coincidentally is the first week NXT is back live after the pre-tapes. Um, are you excited for the Index wedding, and have you RSVP'd yet? Um, I'm not at all excited for the Index wedding. I hate Index. And uh, hopefully it goes wrong. Okay, so let's talk about let's let's do the same thing here. Is your hate more centered around Indy, or is your hate more centered around Dexter? I fucking hate Dexter Loomis. Okay, how do you feel about Indy? Uh, she's fine. Okay. Um, I I I I like her more when she's you know bouncing off Candice and Johnny. Like I don't so much like her in this role, but okay. But that might just be that might be a function of the fact that I don't like Dexter at all. Okay, fair enough. Uh, So then uh, we go to a TikTok of Casey Cantanzaro and Caden Carter, and is this how you want to start digesting your wrestling product over TikTok? No, and (laughs) didn't need that. No? no. Don't don't really need them. No, not really. Uh, But we go to break. When we come back, the Spit and Swallow Warriors are making their way out to the ring. Uh, at which point, at which point they are their opponents head out. Uh, Gigi Dolan and JC Jane and Gigi Dolan quickly becoming my favorite entrance in NXT. I don't know how you feel about this. Um, it's good. Yeah, just turns and shoves that ass right in the <laughs> camera. Gotta love it. Um, not a whole lot here. Jane distracts Casey and Dolan attacks her from behind. Uh, Dolan hit a Bronco Buster and then Jane followed with a Cannonball for two. That was a nice little combo spot. Uh, Casey gets thrown to the floor, goes under the ring and slides in the other up the other side. Uh, to get the tag to Caden. I sort of dug that spot. Um, it was actually one of those ones where you made the faces look smart. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. she's taking a lot of heat. She slides under the ring. The heels go looking for her, like, where the fuck is she? And she just pops up on the side where she can make the hot tag. It was actually a fairly creative spot. I liked that one. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I actually, I like them in a ring. I think they yeah. do interesting things. I just, their characters are so... They're imminently unlikable. Yeah. Character-wise, yes, very mm. much so, and it would continue. Um, mm. And Troy likes to talk about uh, Indy Hartwell and her underrated ass. I say Caden Carter has an underrated ass as well. I'm a big fan of Caden Carter. Hmm. I'll have to pay more attention to that. I, I didn't. I yeah, I don't remember what I thought about it. Okay. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll keep an eye next time. Maybe it's just because she's always dancing in the ring, you know, shaking that thing. Anyway, Caden uh, takes out both of them and then hits a face wash on Gigi as she's draped across the bottom rope, uh, but does it in a way that she's significantly safer with it than Saray is. Right. Saray fucking... Oh, don't... I don't like her. <laughs> we get a pump kick by Jane for two as Casey breaks it up. And I got to ask, is like the pump kick the thing that they show all the women how to wrestle? Like, even if you're not a good wrestler, here's how you throw a pump kick. Because I've watched AEW and Tainara Conti throws like eight pump kicks a match. When you can't when you can't wrestle and you learn a move, it's you you know you do it's it's like fucking Tamina with super kicks. It seems like it's play school's my first wrestling move for the ladies. Right. Or um, anyway, it's pump kicks and the X factor. <laughs> yeah, or the Bronco Buster. That's mm. the other one. You got to be careful with that one though, because you might blow your asshole out. But only if the ring, only if the ring is put together wrong. <laughs> um, 
Oh, I almost just closed my notes by accident. That would have been bad. Uh, so after this pump kick by JC Jane, I looked away for a second, and then the Caden and Casey are hitting their 450 neckbreaker combo for the win. I mean, how the fuck did we go from one thing to the other? Jesus Christ! Uh, it was a very, it was a very quick transition into that move. I don't, I, it was, just, I don't know. It was almost like they were. Some the ref went, "Hey, guy, hey, ladies, you got like 30 seconds. Go home." <laughs> uh, which happens, so I guess nothing to do. Uh, but they get the win, so I guess fuck the new girls. Uh, I mean, I guess we're building to the thing that happened later. Yeah. Uh, I still, I still feel like you could have done that with a win. Yeah, or with somebody else taking the loss here. Yeah, yeah, but you know, if if the if that's how they feel like they're they want to get to that faction. Yeah. I guess we'll. I don't know. I don't. I don't think it was the best way to get there, but like you know, it's a way to get there. Yeah, we'll talk about it. Uh, anyway, so after the match, Caden and Casey like storm the announce table and just start screaming that they want the tag titles. Who did this a couple months ago? Was it like somebody got on like the announcer's face and screamed, Santos? Maybe it was screaming that he wanted a title shot or something like that. And it's like that's not the person you need to talk to. Like. <laughs> Go talk to Regal. or no, no, no one understands how this works. Or talking to camera or something. Johnny knows. Johnny knows to go to Regal right away. Yeah. yeah. I guess which, he's been around uh, Which longer. Regal seems to not like. <laughs> <laughs> More on that later. Um, so anyway, we go to backstage and dinner time with Raquel Gonzalez. She says that if she knows Dakota, then she knows it's not over. And then it might be over. Uh <laughs> She then said that she's been waiting a while for Kaylee Ray to show up, so it didn't surprise her. Uh, it really makes no difference to her who it is. They just need to step up. At this point, Frankie Monet walks in and says she'll take all of her shine and her championship. And by the way, as Troy mentioned on WWE Rundown, Jesse Kamea rocking the underboob. Good on her. Um, <laughs> is Frankie Monet versus Raquel Gonzalez a program you're interested in? No. Although I could maybe be turned on that if uh if frankie monet does anything that i find interesting but uh, i've 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 enjoyed her on any level so far what if you get uh, jesse kamea ringside with under boob for every match i mean that'll help okay. um but yeah it's she like she's been like since she started associating with them she's been a fucking joke yeah. and it doesn't feel like she should be like pivoting from like losing with Robert Stone into a title feud anyway. Yeah, like, no, that's fair. It does feel like uh, the association has brought Frankie down. She doesn't feel as, as an important character. She probably should. Right. Yeah, no, that's fair. So, yeah. And it feels like a weird thing. It's almost like this is the match we're going to throw. We're going to feed Frankie to Raquel before the Kaylee Ray match at TakeOver or something. I almost mm-hmm. feel like this is one of those weird, like, in-between TakeOver feuds, and then we'll get to TakeOver and Kaylee Ray kind of deals. Yeah, I, I would... I, if this is at a takeover, then that that feels like a huge mistake. So yeah, I, I have to. I do to... feel like Frankie's talent level warrants being in the title picture. It just sort of sucks how they've booked her so far. I mean, yeah, if they can figure out a way to sort of like fix that between now and then, and I, I guess that there's there's long enough between takeovers that yeah. you could. But I think if if she had come in and done like a hostile takeover of the Robert Stone brand and just took all of his shit and left him like this whole weird I'm going to be associated and with you thing is just sort of weird dynamic or, or or even if she had just turned them into like people who don't always fucking lose that right, would have that helped. too that too <laughs> the underboob helps i'm not gonna lie though 
<laughs> um, we do get a package on Kaylee Ray, which is good because a lot of this crowd doesn't necessarily know her. Uh, as we go to break, we come back, we get the sit-down interview with Odyssey Jones, similar to Carmelo Hayes. Nothing, again, particularly interesting here, just Odyssey Jones talking about how great it would be to win and how he, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So we go back to the ring. Now, a few years ago on NXT, there was a character who appeared, enhancement talent, if you will, by the name of Nico Ricos. And Nico Ricos had, at the time, the worst wrestling gear any of us on the Rundown Wrestling Network had ever seen. Uh, I okay, believe I it was up, like, I want to say it was like half half long tights, half trunks, and then like half shirt that was sleeved, and then another half that was not sleeved. It was terrible. Uh, if you Google Nikos Ricos ring gear, you will see it, I'm sure. Let's see. Uh, Nico Ricos. All right, let's see. Let's see if I can find it, too. Uh... Oh. <laughs> okay, you must have found it then. Okay. Yeah. That's, right. uh... I Googled it, and I got Maki Ito somehow. I'm not sure how that happened. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so fucking terrible. This week on NXT, we got something to rival it because Valentina Feroz is in the ring, and my only reaction is, what the fuck is this woman wearing? It wasn't good, but my first reaction was, who the hell is this? Well, that too, but but you you, you don't even you get so. I'm trying to th- so my frame of reference might be a little bit over the heads of people because I'm an old fuck. Um, but did you ever see the the He Man and the Masters of the Universe movie that they did, like Dolph Lundgren movie? Uh, if I did, I would have been very young. Okay. But like I remember it being a thing, but I don't have vivid memories of watching okay. it. But it doesn't mean that I didn't. This gear sort of reminded me of what the fucking sorceress was wearing in that movie. Just awful, like, half-bird shit. Mm. Um, like, I don't know, it was terrible. If I was Kaylee Ray, I would have come out and just throw a bird seat at her. I think that would have been fucking fantastic. <laughs> but, um, do yourself a favor, go watch this match, if for no other reason than to see this outfit. Uh, anyway, when Kaylee Ray comes out, uh, not a whole lot happens here. We get a face buster suplex by Kaylee Ray. Uh, Valentina slowly walks into a body slam. This was awful. Um, <laughs> uh, at one point, I noted that it seems like Kaylee Ray's hair is almost too long and gets in her way sometimes. Did you notice that? I don't think I did, but uh, I, I will. It, it's something now. The, those are the sorts of things that, like, once someone mentions it, then okay. like you never unsee it. So I'm. I'll, it felt I'll like there were multiple occasions where she'd like pull it out from like a, a hold or just it felt like it was in the way a lot. Uh, and it is very long hair. Um, Valentina ducks a clothesline before Kaylee Ray throws one. So that was that was impressive. Um, <laughs> she hits a super kick and then she hits the gory bomb for the win. Uh, it was basically a squash, which it should have been. But I really wish they had given her a better opponent to squash because Valentina was awful. Um is this your first time watching Kaylee Ray wrestle? Uh, I feel like I saw her in the lead up to uh, to that Survivor Series, okay. but other than that, like I've never seen her on uh, NXT UK. Okay, like, so uh, what were your... that that involved watching NXT UK? So, what are your initial impressions here? I I like her look. Um, yep. I she seems like again, it's hard to judge based on the quality of opponent, but she seems like she's probably good in the ring. Okay. Like uh, I. I would be interested and in seeing more. And into sick. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, 
Probably. (laughs) (laughs) She's very flexible. Uh, We do see Joe arriving to the arena, and then we go backstage, and we see Gigi Dolan and JC Jane walking. Uh, The, you know, um, disembodied voice asks them how they feel at this point. Uh, Mandy Rose walks over, and I feel better instantly. Uh, she says, uh, "If they never want to feel that way again, come with them, and come with her, and never look back." And they walk off camera, and the camera pans over, and it's sort of like that awkward moment where they know, "Okay, we're off camera now. We're supposed to stop walking," and they just sort of stop, and then the camera continues to follow them, and there's this awkward moment before the camera cuts away, where you just sort of see them standing there for no reason. <laughs> it's very, very awkward, very poorly shot, very un NXT. Um, but I am curious about what sort of the connection with these women is going to end up being and like how this group is going to go. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I mean, Mandy can do good character work. Yep. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see her in the, in that mix. Uh, yeah. Yes. What, 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 if you had to pick a name for this group, what would it be? Oof. I have no goddamn idea. I'm terrible at things like this. Um, do you have one? Mine would be the rose bush. Maybe that's just because I want to see if there is a rose bush. That's fair. Probably I, not. I doubt right. it. I'd very much doubt right. it. Yeah. Definitely looks like a waxing, surprised. waxing situation. At the at the very least, you know, landing well, strip. Yeah. Yeah. Maintained. Yeah. Was it breadstick, landing strip, Torito chip? Those are the three options. <laughs> I've never heard that last one. <laughs> <laughs> You've never heard that one? Huh? Just, no, no. For a guy who has so much unprotected sex, John, I figured you would have heard that already. Anyway, uh, uh, that's that's a recurring joke, folks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Samoa Joe comes out. He says, take over 36. He stood across from the most dominant champion in NXT history, and I vehemently disagree with that statement. Right? <laughs> I would... I mean, first off, Adam Cole's the longest reigning NXT champion in history. Uh, Keith Lee, I think, was a more dominant champion, although I guess he didn't hold the title very long and lost it to Cross. So I guess you could make that case. Um, who else would we put in there? Finn Balor probably would be in that discussion. Second longest reigning champ. Uh, Joe himself. That's the interesting thing. Like Joe himself was a champion, mm-hmm. but Cross was the most dominant. Interesting. Um, anyway... He says he's not here to celebrate, and experience tells him that being NXT champ is being king in a land of savages. He said he's out there to answer one question, who will stop staring at him and actually step to him, and that time is now. This brings Pete Dunn out, and I instantly go, yes, please. Uh, Pete Dunn and Samoa Joe, you there for that, John? I am, yeah. 100%, absolutely. Uh, Dunn says that Joe stood face-to-face with him enough to know that the truth is Joe isn't the baddest around here. So go to the back, find Regal, and tell him to make the match, and he tells Joe not to make him provoke him. Liked that toss back to the the original don't provoke me thing. Uh, this brings out L.A. Knight, which, and, and for the first time, at least that I can remember, he drops the phrase, it's nighttime, which I fucking love. And why did this not happen beforehand? Why were we fucking <laughs> around with whose game is it? It's L.A. Knight's game when you have it's nighttime sitting right there. Uh, I don't have a good answer for you because, oh. yeah, the, the game stuff is definitely, definitely not great. No, but at nighttime is awesome. It's, it fits perfectly. Um, L.A. Knight says that Joe's feeling fear and says that with or without the title, 
Uh, LA Knight is still the million dollar megastar, and he says that if Joe has that tingle in his loins, he's there to be his first challenger. That is an interesting way to challenge a man to a fight. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, LA Knight's promos are fucking weird. LA Knight in general is fucking weird. That's fair. Oh man, like, uh, he likes to call people incels and you know, like just all that, all that shit. Yep, definitely, uh, definitely never a dull moment with LA Knight around. Um, at this point, uh, Dunn says that if Knight takes another step into the ring, he'll break all his fingers, and that gets Knight to stop entering the ring. Uh, right. This brings out Kyle O'Reilly. Now, this is, I, I don't know if this is where we're going to be talking about something that popped us, but uh, <laughs> Kyle comes out and says, Samoa Joseph, Peter Dune, we know each other. But La Knight, let me introduce myself. <laughs> that that was what popped me. La, La Knight, okay. Yeah, that caught me too. I love that. Everything um, he said after that I wasn't into. But like for that brief moment, I was like, okay, that was funny. He says all that Knight can do is win a, no- a Stone Cold knockoff vest contest. Uh, to which Joe said, sick burn. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> which, uh, unfortunately, Kyle did played off as if Joe wasn't obviously being sarcastic right. but and Kyle's like oh it was a sick burn but Law didn't get it cuz all the blood left his brain and went to his biceps I thought that was good I I maybe you didn't maybe it's not your cup of coffee or whatever but I dug it I thought it was funny I laughed I mean I every time he said law I laughed at that yes, yes. Like, the blood well, left his brain it's in his biceps That's just sort of funny to me uh, anyway, as uh, Kyle's standing there, he gets jumped by Ridge Holland. Uh, this turns into a clusterfuck as Ciampa jumps in to attack uh, Pete Dunne. Uh, Joe jumps L.A. Knight, and then Ciampa, they clear the ring. Uh, then Ciampa stares at Joe as Joe raises the belt as we go off air. I don't know if you caught that. That was not something they did very overtly. It was a very subtle thing. The announcers didn't bring it up. Like they're stin- Ciamp- Joe is standing like center hard cam. And Ciampa's off in the corner, like, away from him. But as soon as Joe held the title up, Ciampa stared at it. And it just brought me back to, to the days of Goldie and him being obsessed with anybody holding the belt near him. Uh, I, I will say I did not catch that. Yeah. I uh, was busy trying to figure out why the fuck Ridge Holland was back out. Just I mean, I guess it's just because he's Pete, Pete Dun- Peter Dean's beef. But Yeah, he's his muscle. Um... Yeah, I, I, I dug it. I thought it was a, it was a nice little throwback. <coughs> and I, I also, I'd be in on a on a Champa Joe program. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe Don is his in between takeover program, and then Champa will end up being the guy. Who knows? Um, anyway, we go backstage out uh, to Cameron Grimes and Ted DiBiase as Ted is getting ready to leave. Uh, Grimes says he's had a lot of fun, but really the belt is Ted's legacy, and he gives him back the million-dollar championship. Ted says that Grimes should have had it and hands it back to Grimes, at which point Grimes realizes that he gave him back a replica, and Ted DiBiase drives off laughing, and Grimes says, Damn that, Ted DiBiase! So what you're telling me is the last four months were fucking pointless. Yeah, yeah. Everything we went through was for fucking nothing. Apparently. Just to get one more DiBiase joke, I guess. What the fuck? This pissed me off. I'm not going to lie. I'm a Cameron Grimes guy, but, like, 
there had to be a better way to do this. If you didn't want, I understand not wanting Grimes to carry around a million dollar title because we even talked about it last week's episode. Like it didn't feel like something that fit him very well. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are a million and one ways to do this better than this. Yeah. It, it wasn't great. No, not at all. Uh, we go back, we go to break, we come back, and it's dinner time with Kyle O'Reilly, except Duke Hudson steps in. Uh, he says Kyle looks beat up, so Kyle instantly slaps the fucking shit out of him. Uh, hmm. Hudson slams him into the lockers, and a brawl breaks out. Um, I, I would dig this match. I, I like Duke Hudson in the in the breakout tournament, and I think hmm. uh, uh, this is a big step for him, uh, and I really so I would sort of be interested in seeing this. Yeah, yeah, being in a program, like, just... Yeah, he doesn't have to win, but just being being in that position right. to be be in the ring with someone like higher up that right. that's gotta gotta be a good boost. Yeah, exactly. Um, we go to ringside. Where Regal is sitting uh, for the finale of the breakout tournament. Uh, Carmelo Hayes is out, followed by Odyssey Jones second. Um, so one thing stepped up to me as I noticed uh, for the first time this occurred to me. Odyssey Jones reminds me of a young Mark Henry with more athleticism and charisma. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Uh, significantly more of, honestly, both. Um, yeah, yeah, but but just sort of reminds me a little bit of the maybe it's the gear and sort of the, the size and everything and else, the, but and, and the power he does yeah. he does bring that for right. sure. Yeah, but, it just reminds me a lot of Mark Henry in this spot. Uh, Jones hip tosses Hayes about fifteen feet in the fucking air. Uh, Hayes drop kicks his knee and goes for the pump knee, but Jones catches it. Uh, then he goes for the pump kick and catches that as well, and then Hayes hits an enziguri. Uh Hayes springboards into a big fucking shoulder tackle by Odyssey Jones. That was a nice spot. Springboards off the ropes, turns, and he's going for that clothesline that he's been hitting, and Jones just fucking runs through him. That was great for a big man spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we go to break, we come back, and Hayes is working the knee. Uh, the crowd seems very split in this one. We get a large let's go mellow and then Odyssey chant. Uh, Hayes hits the pump kick, and then the springboard clothesline. After another pump kick, and then a pump knee. Uh, after another pump, uh, after another pump kick, he hits the tilt a world takedown. Uh, Hayes hits the scissor kick for two, and then Hayes goes for the tilt a world again. But Jones catches him, stops him, and turns it into a shoulder breaker. Really nice spot there. Uh, Jones charges the corner, and Hayes moves as Jones hits his shoulder on the post. Uh, Hayes goes for the top, hits the top rope leg drop, but only gets two. Hayes goes back up again for a second top rope leg drop, but this time Jones moves. Hayes hits the mat and eats a splash from Odyssey Jones, at which point it looked like that was it, uh, except Jones goes for the cover and Hayes reverses into a crucifix and gets the win. Sort of out of nowhere with that. Mm. Uh, both men shake hands after the match, and Regal presents the contract to Hayes. What did you think of this as the finals of the breakout tournament? Um, I I like the match, and uh, unlike unlike some other abrupt finishes, I actually feel like this one works with like the story they've been telling. Yep. Uh, so like this one didn't bug me like like when we were talking about like at Takeover the yep. abrupt uh, finishes didn't fit like where Cole and O'Reilly should have been going. Right. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Like, but yeah, this one this one felt felt like if he was gonna win, it probably needed to be like this because yep. you know. Nope, hundred yeah. percent, and uh, it made like I said, it kept Jones strong too, uh, yeah. despite the and loss. Honestly, both of these guys look like they could be like if they, if they uh, if they build them right, they could be big fucking deal before too long. So yeah, no, agreed, hundred uh, percent. Hayes is asked which champion he is going to face, and he says it's way too early to decide. But when he shoots, he doesn't miss. So you're getting pregnant. Uh, <laughs> 
Dunn and his crew are shown backstage. Uh, Dunn says that every time he goes face-to-face with Joe, he sees in his eyes that he knows it ends with him as champion. Uh, what did you think of that group's promo there? I mean, it was it was fine, I guess. <laughs> Didn't love it. Okay. Uh, was it uh, Danny Birch was talking about all of his time off, which I thought was... You know, decent. He said eight months. It didn't feel like he was gone eight months at all. Right, right. Yeah, that. Yeah, it does it does seem like it was shorter than that for sure? Yeah. Anyway, uh, we go backstage and well, sorry, we see Boa getting ready, and apparently we get the little T and shot bit that Boa is next, and I go, yay! Yeah. When we come back from break, Boa is out. Again, no Zia Lee. Not sure what the hell's going on with that. Uh, Mei Ying doesn't come to the ring with him this time. Zion Quinn is in the ring, and I instantly go, this guy's got a good fucking look. I, I dig mm. Zion Quinn had a nice look, good name. Um, I'm interested in seeing if this is a thing or if this is just a one-off. But uh, Boa hits the Irish whip knees and then uh, palm strike to the chest. Mae Young rises and signals to Boa, and he turns and takes his eyes off of his opponent. He turns back, and Quinn hits a flying forearm for the win. And uh, good, I, I like this kid. That was, that was a surprising finish. Yeah, yeah. I given that I don't like the what was you know any of the any of the stuff that the the other people are doing. Like I'm hoping that this means that they realize it's not working. And they're gonna pivot away from it right. and uh, and use it to build this guy up because yeah. yeah, his look is good. Yeah, the the brief bit we got from here, he was definitely like the more compelling person in the ring. Yeah, like, and then he even showed a little personality because as he goes to leave, he sort of turns oh. and sees Mei Ying standing <laughs> there, and then just like fuck this and runs yeah. and jumps over the barricade to leave. That was very good too. Yeah, I like this. This kid might have a future. Uh, but then again, I said that about who's that? I said that about. Uh, Arturo Huas, I loved him. So, but I also loved Raúl Mendoza when he was a jobber. So I'm I'm one for two on the jobber should be getting pushes thing. Although I guess Huas made it to Raw, right? So <laughs> I'll take credit for that one. Uh, anyway, Regal is backstage with Gargano. Gargano says he's sort of like an unspoken member of the family. You know, when there's a William, there's a way. Hmm. Uh, Johnny wants Regal to cancel the wedding, and he says he won't because he wants to see if it will make Johnny go cuckoo bananas. Bananas. And then they argue about the pronunciation of bananas. Johnny saying bananas, Regal saying bananas. Uh, At this point, Knight comes in to complain, and Regal just throws them both the fuck out. I laughed. I don't know. Yeah, I I, I like Johnny. I think Uh, this is when Johnny's at his best. Not when they do the the stupid, like, four-part episode skits during the shows. Uh, mm-hmm. When it's just sort of one-off, and him and Regal have such a great rapport together. Um, when they're together, it's fantastic. Like the whole breaking the pencils thing, and like, and they just call back to other stuff that they've had before. Like, they are so good. I would watch. I would watch a weekly TV show of just the two of them having a conversation for an hour. That, that's fair. I, I like to when La Knight came in. He the first thing Johnny does is he didn't knock. Did you yeah. see he didn't knock? Yeah. He's like trying to get Regal to like yeah. redirect his anger at. Yeah. Night, it, was, it was very good. Who was it a couple weeks ago? He, he went to tell somebody to go talk to Regal. He's like, but don't touch his pencils. He doesn't like that. <laughs> oh, he's so good. Uh, we go to break. We come back, and Michael Bivens... Uh, 
Malcolm Bivens is backstage during a sparring session, says that Roddy's going to have an open challenge next week. Hopefully it goes better than the last open challenge. Chop uh, right. on Holland is announced for next week, and Hit Row is out, followed by Legato for the six-man tag match. Um, <sighs> wow. Okay, so Legato came out in full lucha gear, like masks, jackets, the whole nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I wrote that into my notes, apparently it said they came out in full Luchasaurus gear. And it took me a minute to figure out <laughs> what the fuck I had written there. Um, they get in the ring and throw their jackets at Hit Row. And very quickly into the match, B-Fab trips Santos as he's trying to run the ropes. Uh, this gives Top Dalla the upper hand, and he goes at Santos. Uh, Dalla throws Wild uh, out of the ring, and then uh, they send Ashante into his midsection in the corner. Um Wild turns it around for his team, but Adonis quickly takes back control with a series of monkey flips on Wild and Mendoza. Then he hits a flapjack on Wild on the floor. Nice little shine spot for Ashanti, because he hasn't gotten a whole lot, but it felt like this match was built around making him look good in a lot of ways. I can see that. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was. Uh, yeah, because it does feel like they tend to focus more on top dollar when, yeah. when those two wrestle. So, yeah. we go. Yeah, was- good. Yeah, I was just to say, I agree. Uh, it was nice to see him get a little more. We go to a break. We come back, and Legato has taken control of the match. Uh, they do their version of the Unicorn Stampede, Unicorn Stampede where they <sighs> do quick tags and then, like, splashes in the corner on Swerve for about, like, what is it, 20 times, I think? Something ridiculous it, like that? It, it felt like half the match. It was interminable. It really was. It, like, I hated it. <laughs> like, But the Unicorn Stampede was sort of the same way. I also hate that. Yeah, well, there you go. Okay. Uh, I have this goes on for a while. Uh, Santos hits <laughs> right. some double knees in the corner and a long, delayed vertical suplex. Uh, they get the uh, Joaquin and um, Mendoza get the assisted springboard splash, uh, then an inverted neckbreaker by Wild, which looked really good. So he ran un- underneath him and then sort of turned it over, which was interesting. A variation on that I haven't really seen much of. Uh, Swerve hits a what? <laughs> Oh, I think it's supposed to... I don't know. Anyway, I don't know what it was. Uh, he goes for a tag, but Wild cuts him off. Uh, Swerve finally makes the tag to top Dalla. Dalla cleans house. Uh, we get a sidewalk slam on Santos. And then we ask the immortal question, John. Who hotter than top Dalla? Uh, I don't have a response to that. Not nada. The response is not nada, Joe. Oh, uh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <sighs> Dalla double fireman carries on Legato, and then Santos tries a crossbody and gets caught. That was a cool spot. He's carrying all three guys around the ring, like, mm-hmm. effortlessly. Uh, and then he does, like, the world's strongest slam, but as a result, like, the guys on his back in the fireman's carry fall off, and Wade calls it the world's strongest wasteland, and I sort of dug that. Oh, uh, I think uh, this is jumping back. Uh, when you talked about that hit, uh, that really fucking high up toss uh, yeah. in, during the uh, finals Jones. match, yeah. Wade sold the shit out of that. He was yeah, like yeah. talking about how, how that's the equivalent of being thrown off the top of the turnbuckle. And I was like, you know, I like Wade. He's good. Yeah, he's very good. I, I wasn't a huge fan at first, but I've really sort of grown to like him. I do. St- I, I think my biggest issue with him is that he's not Nigel McGuinness. I love Nigel McGuinness on commentary. Uh, and I miss him very much on NXT, so not enough to watch NXT UK, but <laughs> right. 
but I do miss him. Uh, so Santos pushes Dalla into Ashante uh, as they went for their powerbomb neckbreaker finish. Uh, Mendoza walks the ropes and hits a dropkick for the cover, but Swerve breaks it up with the house call, which apparently is now just a move that we use to break up pinfalls. Um, <laughs> Swerve and Santos both get the hot tag, and Swerve hits the rolling, leaping flatliner. Uh, Swerve to the top and hits a 450 on Santos for two. That only gets you a two count these days, John. Yeah, I guess. It was, uh, I don't know. Near falls, we got got to pop people, I guess. I, don't know. I guess. Uh, Swerve goes for the half Nelson slam, but Santos avoids it and charges, but gets sent over the top rope. Swerve goes for the PK, but Santos grabs the leg and sends him face first, actually top of his head almost onto the apron. That was sort of a nasty looking fall for Swerve there. Mm. Uh, Santos throws Swerve in. Uh, BFAB then runs Santos into the post, but when she turns around, we see Electra Lopez. Uh, standing there, who we saw in a jobber match uh, not too, too long ago, a couple, maybe a month ago, two months ago. Um, and she hits BFAB with the same lead pipe that she used on Santos last week. She throws the club up into the ring uh, to Swerve Scott, and Santos, as Scott is saying to the referee, I didn't use it, I didn't use it, Santos rolls him <laughs> up and gets the win. Um, I would like credit. I said last week I thought this whole you thing did. was gearing towards adding a female member to Legato. And uh, here we go. Uh, how'd you feel about this match in general, and then the the addition of Electra Lopez? Uh, I, honestly, I the match was good. Uh, it was good to see Legato finally get a fucking win in this feud, uh, and it was interesting. Like even before they brought like uh, they brought the the equalizer out, like just it felt like the story of this match was like Legato would get get ahead, and then you know. Uh, what is it, BFAB? Yep. Uh, she would do something to sort of level level it out. And, it's like, been the story give, the entire yeah. time, which is why I thought we were going to end up here. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I don't know. It's, it, it, was, it was all very well done, I thought. Yeah, I, I very much enjoyed it. Um, and that's it. That ends that episode of NXT. Um, so, John... Mm-hmm. If you had 15 minutes and some time to kill, and you only had one ma- one se- match or segment to go back and watch from this week's NXT, what would it be? Probably watch the main event. It felt like the the most consequential thing that happened. Yeah, no, I sort of agree. Uh, I since you picked that, and I agree with that, I'll say Odyssey Jones and Carmelo Hayes because uh, Christian Casanova has been. One of my boys for a while, so I'm not. That, that was also very good. So if you have time to watch two, like yeah, I'll definitely. put that over and and also watch Gigi Dolan's entrance because you know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so other than that, not a whole lot more. We got some stuff to look forward to next week. We got three weeks of tape shows, so I believe two more weeks of tape shows to come, and then mm-hmm. we'll get our first look at the new CWC and the quote unquote new NXT that everybody's been freaking out about. Uh, I so feel we'll like see. it's probably not going to be that different. I really don't think it is. I think a lot of people are, are making a lot about nothing. But, you know, that's sort of the way wrestling business works, I guess. But uh, anything else about this week's episode of NXT before we head out of here, John? Uh, it was it was a mostly enjoyable episode of TV, which, uh, honestly, I just really appreciate that about like NXT more often than not. Yeah, it felt like it didn't drag this week. The last couple weeks I felt like there were points where I felt like it was dragging. I never really felt like that this week. I yeah, there were definitely bits I didn't love last week. Uh, I could do without Boa, but, you know, whatever. 
But at least he lost. Yeah, that's true. Fair point. And maybe we, we built a new star out of that. Who knows? Yeah, fucking hope so, man. That kid, that kid has something. A little charisma to him. I like that. But, and uh, Boa has nothing. Exactly. Boa has a 5,000-year-old dragon woman. Uh, but I guess that's going to do it for this edition. John, thank you for uh, stepping in here and helping me out. As always, thanks for thanks for having me. I'm, I'm hoping to uh, make this a, once Ginger's back, do, do the whole semi-regular rotation between here and suffering through some AEW. <laughs> Just remember, you don't have to watch Being the Elite to be on this show. Anyway. Yeah, uh, I know. So, like like uh, John just mentioned, again, send our thoughts to Ginger. Hopefully he'll be back with us at some point in the not-too-distant future. We do miss you, buddy, and we're here for you if you need us. But that's going to do it for this edition of NXT, which means we will NXT you next week. He's out. Or something. Yeah. That's the closest to an actual exit comment yeah. you made. I was tr- I was trying to trying to do something at least exit adjacent. Mission accomplished. You have been listening to a Rundown Wrestling Network production. Please visit rundownwrestling.com for all of our shows as well as our other special events. Keep it locked there or subscribe to the Rundown Wrestling Network on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, Stitcher Premium, or anywhere you get your podcast from. Leave us a voice message that we will play on an episode by going to anchor.fm slash rundownwrestling slash message. Join our Patreon at patreon.com slash rundownwrestling. You can show us how much you love us by buying us a cup of coffee for just one buck at ko-fi.com slash rundownwrestling. Go to reddit.com slash r slash rundownwrestling. Follow us on Twitter at Rundown Network. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash rundownwrestling. Email the show your dick pics and twat shots via rundownwrestling at gmail.com. Or go to Instagram or YouTube and look for Rundown Wrestling. Follow us on Twitch by going to twitch.tv slash rundownwrestling. And you can also follow our host, Adam, on twitch.tv slash the Salzer effect. This has been a Rundown Wrestling Network production. <laughs>